Thank you for joining us and welcome back Beyond the Bandwagon. This is season two. Season two. I am Elias and with me today and every podcasting day is Kyla. Hi, I'm so glad to be back. Football hopefully will be played. So it's it's awesome to be back, but hopefully it it will be played. As we embark on this new season, really the only thing we can be sure of is this NFL season will be completely unlike any other. COVID-19 has seen to that. Uh, So we wanted to start off by diving into the NFL's handling of the pandemic, what new protocols are in place, and then a little bit on how the country's new normal has impacted us personally. And then uh, finally, we'll get into some fun stuff. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, talk about the most impactful free agency moves of the offseason and how we think, you know, those players will fit into the overall fantasy landscape. Uh-huh. So, uh, Kyla, please get us started. Roger Goodell is ruling the world. He- and uh, <laughs> let's talk about he, it. He does. He always rules the world. But before we get into that, I just want to let the people know that Elias has titled our um our free agency section as the same face, new place. Cause that is uh, something he <laughs> likes to do. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. It makes me smile. So I'm going to put it on there. <laughs> uh, anyway. So where does the NFL season stand? Who really fucking knows? Right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, we're, there are going to be camp. no, we are in camp. There's going to be no preseason games this year. Um, the training camp reporting dates did not change. Everybody reported on the days that they were supposed to, but all, uh, training camp activities are happening at team facilities. There's going to be no traveling, um, to start camp. They did have a daily testing and acclimation period, right? Was it like the first two weeks of camp was they were tested every day? Is that how it was? Something like, yeah, something like that. I'm really not sure. Um, they started full contact practice this week, though, which is exciting. It's exciting. No, no preseason games. Yeah, no preseason. We can, we can cut all that out. Um, the main thing that it makes me think of, aside from the fact that people may get sick, all the other millions of concerns that, that we have, uh, just the typical ways that NFL teams evaluate their rosters, I feel like will be drastically different without the preseason. You yeah. won't have that final preseason game for somebody to really make a case to make a, a team. Um, for our for our purposes, most of the guys you're going to draft in fantasy and that are not really fighting for a spot on the roster in that fourth preseason game. So most likely it'll be the same. But I think it will be a little bit more difficult for us to judge you know, death chart and that sort of thing, just because yeah. reporters aren't reporters aren't there. You know, we're yeah. not getting that sort of news. Uh, however, the the evil emperor Bill Belichick did have an interesting. <laughs> he had an interesting quote that I would like to read, and he's just talking about how to evaluate talent. He says, and I quote: "I think ever since the beginning of college football back in well, I don't know about all the way back when Rutgers started in the 1870s." But that's the way it's been. You go to camp for three weeks, then you start the season. There are no preseason games, and you evaluate your team, and you get ready to play. I mean, that's what all college football teams do, so I don't think it's anything that revolutionary here. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, of that's he, true. He downplays but, it, and really yeah. it does seem like the NFL is, you know, they have all the preseason games. College football, they have their spring game and that sort of stuff, but... 
really. You just have to be a good coach and evaluate your talent and then go from there. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they have to this year, but I think it is going to be difficult, especially with the players that we're going to talk about in a few minutes. You know, they're all on a new team. There's been limited offseason activities. They're not going to be able to build that that rapport that you need between quarterback and receiver or whatever. It's gonna, it's going to make things interesting for sure. Yeah, and with the rapport um for next week we have a lot of players that we that we want to talk about whether it be breakout players, things like that. And a lot of the people that I want to talk about are either you know with their like on their first season with their new team yeah. or they're building, you know, they have to build chemistry with new teammates a lot more than some other guys do. And I'm a little worried about my picks because <laughs> of that because guys have a limited time to uh, communicate with their new teammates. As a Broncos fan, I'm looking at Drew Locke and then all the young guys on that offense, and it's like, well, are they going to be ready? Yeah. We'll, you know, we'll find out. I'm, it, I'm yeah. worried. The Broncos, they have a lot of question marks as far as that goes, for sure. Well, I mean, obviously the favorite for the Super Bowl, so I, you know, <laughs> they're two times better than the Chiefs. Well... Please keep listening. I don't honestly believe that. <laughs> um, so uh, as for as for fans, we can we can talk about fans in in the stands here for the NFL. Uh, the Chiefs just announced for the opener that they're going to have twenty two percent capacity. I did not see that in in Arrowhead Stadium, which equates to about fifteen thousand fans. So. They're going to have fans. Uh, they are going to be some teams. I know the Jets and the Giants and the Eagles all said they're not going to have fans at all this season. I know New Jersey said that the Giants and Jets at least could not. Um, I know Dallas, they did say they're going to have limited capacity of fans. I don't know if they said how many, but they have released their plan to do so. Obviously, any. Um, team that has fans the nfl has said everybody has to wear a mask no matter what state you're in no matter what your local government has said you're wearing a mask um but dallas said they're going to sell tickets in pods and you can only transfer those tickets like to people that you trust which i don't know how they're going to monitor <laughs> that but and, and what, what is said. a pod what does a pod mean so like a row and you have to know everyone I honestly, theoretically, you have to know everybody within your pod. Basically, I don't know like what the pod is going to look like. I saw something recently in, uh, I think it was in the UK. They did a concert and they had like these little square platforms that were sectioned off, and everybody like within that one pod, I guess, knew each other. So I would imagine it's probably something like that. I don't know. They yeah, didn't say specifically, yeah. but maybe I'll so get to go to, to a Cowboys to a, game. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll so get to go if after If you want to go to a football game, then you need to get like 15 friends so you can all like be be in a pod. I think that's the moral of this. And then it shouldn't be politicized, but it is. And that's not really what we're here to talk about. But also the states that we're talking about that are allowing fans are Missouri and Texas. <laughs> 
that's so true. that's I'm true just, and, I'm just throwing and that out there and i i went to the university of missouri so not just bad mouthing missouri <laughs> love missouri no. that's a fair point though because atlanta is also allowing fans which yep, there you go. goes Georgia. along with how things are going there but they did say it was going to be 10 to 20,000 fans and just for reference the capacity of that stadium is like 70,000 people so it's it's a very limited number of people but it's still a lot of people when you think it is still a lot of people and one more (laughs) thing I guess that I wanted to make sure that we mentioned about fans is that whenever baseball has been on Fox they're doing this thing where they have put in animated fans in the stands in oh. like the, no, in, the I guess in the bleachers in that I, I haven't believe. watched it on Fox I've only watched it on like AT&T Sports because we've been watching the Rockies every single day since they came back on yeah um, but they so just have like it, little cardboard people in the stands yeah but I think it's just during like the national broadcast but in like the bleachers in that they've been putting fake fans and I believe it's actually an animation from MLB the show the, the uh-huh. video game yeah i I would need to do more research on that, but I believe that's where they got it. So I don't know if when the NFL is on Fox, if they're going to be fake fans, but it looks really, really weird. (laughs) And it's really distracting. And I would much rather watch a football game with no fans than whenever somebody scores, you know, and it like the camera pans out that there's just a bunch of fake people. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden it looks like I'm playing Madden. I don't know what to think about that, but yeah, we could take a brief, you know, a little brief detour here and just say that the pandemic sucks, right? The worst (laughs) thing I'll say, the worst thing that has happened to me personally is I was supposed to go see Taylor Swift in August (laughs) and that got postponed. Never mind. Well, that means you're living a, a charmed life. That never mind the fact that I'm basically unemployed at the moment. I'm yeah, more let's... concerned about Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're part of the uh, Taylor Swift army, I I believe, correct? Oh yes, very much so. No, no. <laughs> but seriously though, like my job, I don't know if we talked about it last season at all, but I work in a skilled nursing facility. Luckily. We did not have a huge outbreak at my facility up until this point. I mean, it could happen any day, you know, who who knows that they spread so fast there. But um, the fact that I'm a physical therapy assistant, so the fact that we have had didn't have elective surgeries for so long and people mm-hmm. are staying home and stuff, we just don't have any patients. Nobody wants to come to facilities even when they do end up at the hospital for whatever reason. Because you can't have any visitors. You can't leave your room for two weeks, you know, and it's like there could be an outbreak at any moment. So I don't blame them, but that leaves me not working really. So that sucks. But well, and just with all the issues around facilities like that during the pandemic, it's got to be a frightening thing to imagine having to stay at one as well. Yeah, for sure. Um. So, you know, that is happening in your life. You have a highly dangerous occupation for um, the current state of the world. Yeah. I, I have to work from home now and I got a pay cut, but oh. essentially 
half of my life is just sitting in my guest bedroom at my new computer <laughs> from, from my office uh, doing that. So, Which is where um, you are right now, just on the other side of the room. Essentially, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, same room, door closed, uh, except this time I get to talk about football. So it's yeah. so much better. Which things for you were pretty slow there for a while, but now all of the sports are coming back all at once. So it's getting pretty hectic because you do sports for the newspaper, right? Yes, I am a newspaper uh, copy editor and designer um, in Boulder, Colorado. And without sports, since I work on the sports desk, it was a little awkward there for a while. <laughs> Did not have, there were some days that aren't very busy. For, yeah. <laughs> But uh, now all the major sports are back. At least football will be, you know, fully back very soon. And my job is extremely hectic. Yeah, it's better to be busy than not busy, I guess. <laughs> well, if you have to work eight hours, I'd rather have something to do. Yeah, than, me too, for sure. Yeah, that's that's how I feel about it. Um, would you like to dive in to free agency? Yes, let's dive in. The first... Biggest news of free agency that I heard was Tom Brady to Tampa Bay, followed shortly after by Rob Gronkowski. Yes, Pretty Boy has taken his talents uh, <laughs> to Tampa, and Gronk has as well. Uh, Tom Brady has more weapons, in my opinion, in Tampa Bay than he ever had in New England at any point, oh. even when they had Randy Moss. Uh, it was Moss and... Wes Welker. Did they overlap? Yeah, they. I have it here. They. Um, Walker was on the perfect or the near perfect season team. He was there in two thousand seven. Okay, all right. Um, even so, it would seem to me that they have more depth currently in Tampa. My main thing for that offense and for the fantasy outlook for the people on the Buccaneers is that Jameis Winston had thirty picks last year. <laughs> thirty. Tom Brady it's amazing. Never, it is. Like it it really a, is fascinating. It takes a lot of effort, I think, to throw that many picks. <laughs> <laughs> True. Brady has uh, never thrown more than 14, and last year he threw eight. Wow. So what I'm thinking is, imagine what an offense can do with 20 less turnovers. For sure. You know, I, that's more than a turnover per game. I have high hopes. Brady is 43 years old. So that's not great. Um, as for Gronk, he's being drafted on average in the sixth round of ESPN yeah. leagues, which I think is insane. He's not young or durable. Bruce Arians famously does not often deploy tight ends effectively, and Gronk has to compete with a lot of guys for touches, not to mention even guys at his own position. O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait are very good tight ends and now they are all three on the same team mm -hmm. so personally if we're talking about will we draft these people i would draft brady late but i would not draft gronk yeah I, well i don't know if i wouldn't draft gronk it would depend i brady for sure i would draft late um as you said he does have you know the best receiving core that he's arguably ever had some people would probably argue that randy moss and wes welker was better i personally think mike evans and chris godwin together are better um 
right. I was really right. shocked. I really, I did not think Brady was going to leave New England. I was really shocked. But I guess Tampa Bay offered him $50 million guaranteed that he couldn't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> so, I That's mean, I can't blame down. him. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what to expect, but as you said, he's going to have far less turnovers than Jameis Winston. And Bruce Arians is a pass first, think later kind of guy. So I do think that he, he's going to have a much better season than he had last year. I think he'll finish in the top 10. I would definitely draft him late. As far as Gronkowski goes, I'm not super high. I think he should have stayed in retirement. I mean, Absolutely. I like Gronkowski. Don't get me wrong. I like him. I think he's funny. But... He's only played a full 16 games one time in his career. And that's because he's always getting hurt. Granted, he had a full year to recover, which is good, but also not good because he's very likely going to have some rust. And he has a lot of competition for targets. He's got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, as you said, Cameron Bray. I think he's got a lot of touchdown upside. So maybe if he's still there in the late rounds, you know, why not take a chance? If you don't have a backup tight end and you've got a good tight end one, I'd probably draft him late, but I definitely would not spend a mid-round pick on him. I think you could get Hunter Henry or somebody else who is going to be more reliable, even though Henry is probably going to get hurt again, but still. <laughs> yeah, he, get, he gets hurt a lot too, but he's he's still a much better draft pick than Gronk. Yeah, I agree. And... Like you said, I would maybe go for Gronk. Like if everyone's avoiding him and it's the last few rounds, fine. But that's not going to happen. Yeah. He's not going to be available that late because somebody is going to draft him in probably the fifth to eighth round, which I would not do. I would not do that. I would not either. And just one more thing about Gronk. He, I think that they could easily just not play him almost all of the regular season. And then they could dress him for the playoffs for the red yeah. zone and just be like, yeah. hey, just out jump everybody and, and yeah. be Gronk. And he could be healthy, but they're going to have to give him plenty of time to acclimate. And they have two workable tight ends while he does that. I mm -hmm. just don't exactly know if there's any chance you can depend on him at all. Yeah, no, I agree. Like he Especially... might have a week where he catches like three touchdowns. Like that could easily oh. happen because it's Rob Gronkowski. But it might be week four, it might be week 10, and it might be week 17, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you never know. I, I think you're right. Especially early on in the season, I think he's going to be pretty unreliable because he did have a year off and there's been limited offseason activity. So he's going to have to have plenty of time to acclimate you're right so i guess in essence what we're saying is buyer beware <laughs> and just be fully prepared especially early on in the season for him not to play yeah or to be buried on the on the depth chart just not really ready to get out there uh next up we have somebody asked us about this on instagram what we think of cam newton in new england and i say fuck cam newton i hate that Whoa. guy <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of kidding because I don't like Cam Newton. I'm not a fan. But I, when I was like 
kind of looking up things for Cam Newton, getting ready for this podcast. I just realized he spent nine seasons in Carolina, which is way more than I thought. It seems like he's only been there like three or four years, but then also forever. Yeah, uh, with the exception of last season, he's had a wonderful career. Uh, yeah. Obviously, MVP the year they went to the Super Bowl. Uh, he When he's healthy... When he's healthy, he's a workhorse. He's a great, yeah. fantastic quarterback. It's just that's the question, though. Is he going to be fully healthy? Is he going? That is the question. And he's also going to be in a quarterback competition. So he's not even guaranteed the starting position. Do I think eventually he's going to be the starter? Probably. But the first few games, is he going to be? Who knows? Um, if he does win that, I do think... He's probably worth a late round pick. There's no denying that in 2018, he was playing at a very high level before he got the shoulder injury. So the shoulder injury started in 2018. Then last season, he had the foot injury. And then in the off season, he had shoulder surgery. So he's coming off of shoulder surgery and a foot injury. Um, he does have upside because he's mobile and he can get points on his legs, which, I mean, hopefully he can still do that. We don't know. Mm -hmm. But he is 31, which I hate even saying because he's younger than me. <laughs> <But> <laughs> for the NFL, that is getting up there, you know. So drafting yeah, yeah. him for me would depend on, one, how the rest of preseason goes and, you know, what happens there. But also who else is available in the late rounds and what I need. So it's really hard for me to predict if I would draft him or not. So to me, if he's not starting, that means he's not healthy. Yeah. There's no way that Jarrett Stidham is a better quarterback. <laughs> you know, I didn't than, say his name because I didn't Newton. know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Jarrett Stidham. Um, I want to say Jarrett Statham. That would be Jason Statham. So if he's starting, that means that he's healthy, at least in my eyes. And... If there's any team that can unlock Cam Newton, it would be New England. Uh, they like to run a lot of gadget plays, you know, whether it's Julian Edelman throwing a touchdown, things like that. And I think these last few years, Josh McDaniels is probably just, you know, running an offense that Tom Brady can run yeah. because he's not mobile. And I think as soon as they got Cam Newton, Josh McDaniels was just like, oh my gosh, I've had all these plays in the back of the, of the playbook for years that I can't run. And now I can. Cause Tom Brady, he really looks like a statue when he runs, doesn't he? <laughs> I mean, he, yeah, he's very, very slow. The opposite <laughs> of Cam Newton. Um, so I think if there's anybody that can make Cam Newton come alive again, it is new England. Regrettably, yeah. it is new England. <laughs> and if he, if he's starting to me, that's full systems go. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, a good I point. I think you should draft Cam Newton. How um, early do you think people should draft him, though? If he's healthy, he's got to be a top 10 quarterback, is he not? I don't know. He I didn't mean, play late, all year last late, year. Late top 10? I if he's, if he's starting, maybe have a backup plan in place with a, you know, another quality guy. But I just... If he's playing, I have confidence in him. So Newton taking Brady's place, and then as for taking Cam Newton's place, we have Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. 
How do you feel about I, Teddy? I one, I love Teddy Bridgewater as a person. I think he is resilient. I think he's a great guy. <laughs> that means that you the, don't feel good about him. <laughs> <laughs> I I do. I think he's great. I love his story. But I think Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina is going to be what we've seen Teddy Bridgewater be in the past, which is he's efficient, but he doesn't pile on a bunch of yards. He doesn't pile on a bunch of touchdowns. In two years with the Vikings, he averaged 212 yards per game and .97 touchdowns. And then when filling in for Drew Brees last season, the numbers were pretty similar. He averaged 228 yards per game and one and a half touchdowns per game. But that is not what you want from your starting fantasy quarterback. He'll move the ball for Carolina, but the offensive line play is questionable. So I don't anticipate a lot of downfield throwing. Um, Not to mention the offense runs through Christian McCaffrey. So, I mean, there's that issue. I think you're going to see a lot of short passes again from Teddy Bridgewater. I'm not drafting him. I think he might, you might be able to stream him depending on the matchup if you need a, a filling quarterback, but I'm not drafting him. I'm not either. I think he's bound for a couple of big games. Just, you know, Christian McCaffrey's going to break free on a short pass for 80 yards. And there are going to be a, a few games here and there where he will, I think, pile up the yards, but definitely not a quarterback that I'm looking to get. And last year, he really um, was able to produce in Drew Brees' absence with a very quality team around him that I don't really feel that he has in Carolina, even with their new coach, Matt Rule, uh, who had prolific offenses, even though I believe he's a defensive guy. uh, The offenses also were in college. So we'll we'll see. The offensive coordinator for for Carolina, though, is Joe Brady, uh, who worked, you know, at LSU. And then he was the offensive coordinator last year, I think, for the Saints. And now he's in Carolina. Or he was with the Saints, and then he went. Actually, I was wrong. He was with the Saints, and then he went to LSU last year and was a coordinator with Joe Burrow. So he actually is very knowledgeable. And then when Carolina went to draft this year, they drafted all guys on, on defense. They did not draft a single offensive player. Yeah. So maybe that means they feel good about the offense or Matt Rule as a defensive guy just wanted to get a new foundation ready for his his defense. Um I'm not sure, but Carolina Carolina might get a couple of wins here and there depending, yeah. but they could also <laughs> Carolina could really be in store for a, just a god awful season. They really could, which is a shame cuz Christian McCaffrey deserves better. Yeah, I I agree, but he just has used so much. I believe his usage in offensive plays last year was something around forty three percent. I think is what I read. That's so crazy. I just don't I don't understand how his body can keep that up year after year after year. He, they so, won't be able to. Moving on, we have someone else in the NFC. The trade around the world, yeah. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins, and we can kind of lump these three guys in together. Obviously, we'll cover. DeAndre Hopkins first, but the trade was DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals for essentially David Johnson (laughs) uh, going back to Houston and then to take DeAndre Hopkins' place, uh, the Texans head coach and GM now as well, Bill O'Brien, signed Brandon Cooks. Yeah. So 
you lose DeAndre Hopkins and you gain David Johnson and Brandon Cooks. How do you feel? I love DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona. I think a lot of people might disagree with me, but I say I know that moving to a new team as a wide receiver is difficult, especially during a pandemic, as we've said, less offseason work. But I think Hopkins is good enough to overcome that. You do not trade for a guy like DeAndre Hopkins without intending to use him as your top guy. Sure. Arizona has Larry Fitzgerald. They have Christian Kirk. Neither of those guys finished with 1,000 yards either of the last two seasons. Um, Larry averaged only 72 receptions over those two seasons, and Christian Kirk averaged only 55 receptions. Hopkins, on the other hand, has finished with more than 100 receptions and 1,100 and 1,500 yards in each of his last two seasons. Arizona ranked nine in pass attempts last season with Kyler Murray throwing the ball 542 times. Some people will say that the volume is going to go down for Hopkins, but I don't think so. I think with Cliff Kingsbury and his pass-happy offense, I think he's still going to be an elite option and he's going to finish in the top three. If it's me, if I end up getting DeAndre Hopkins, I'm trying to stack him with Kyler Murray. I'm going to draft those two. I'll try to draft Kyler Murray later. But I think that's a good strategy to go with. If you end up with DeAndre Hopkins, I probably won't because I tend to draft running backs in the first two rounds and DeAndre Hopkins is going to go in one of those two rounds. But that's what I would do. If I do end up with DeAndre Hopkins, I'm targeting Kyler Murray because I think that is going to be a good combo to have. I think that is a wonderful idea. I love (laughs) having a receiver and a quarterback on the same team. I love getting that double touchdown. You're going to steal my strategy now. Well, it's an awesome strategy. I'm going to look into it, maybe for guys on different teams as as well. Uh, But yeah, the the Hopkins-Johnson trade was wildly confusing from a Texan standpoint, I thought. Um, but but yeah, Hopkins is expected to be the vocal point of the Cardinals passing attack. He's projected as a top two or three receiver in most fantasy publications. Uh, seems like a giant year for him ahead as for David Johnson. Oh boy. Um, (laughs) if you guys listened in season one, I had David Johnson on my team and that was wildly just disappointing. (laughs) <laughs> he was probably the most frustrating player in all of fantasy last year because there were two games, I believe, maybe three, where he was listed as the starter and then didn't play. Yeah. So, you know, on Yahoo or ESPN, wherever you get your fantasy info, wherever your league is, it'll say, you know, David Johnson is a full go this week. Go ahead and plug <laughs> him in. You know, he's he's good for... He's good for a solid 15 to 20 fantasy points. Like at, at least you got to put yeah. him in there and then he got zero. And uh, anybody who had would... him would have played him like it, that wasn't a bad exactly. choice to put him in. Anybody who had him on their team played him. Yeah. And the one game, the first game where this happened was at the Giants. And that was when Kenyon Drake really came out and announced himself as I'm actually the starter, not David Johnson. Yeah. Uh, but it still happened a couple of other weeks, too. In 2016, Johnson had 2,118 yards from scrimmage and 20 touchdowns. 
and helped me win a fantasy title that year, by the way. Thank you very much. <laughs> Since then, he has a total of 2,191 yards from scrimmage and 16 touchdowns in all the seasons combined since then. Uh, you can see how injuries have impacted his production. The only positive thing I can say for David Johnson, if you maybe want to take a late-round flyer on him, I would not draft him as early as he's going in leagues is that Carlos Hyde last year for Houston did have a thousand yards. I disagree. I am much higher on David Johnson than it sounds like you are. I think the trade for Houston does not make any sense, but for David Johnson, I think this is a dream scenario. I think he's probably thrilled and I think he might be the steal of the draft this season. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to get used a lot, and Carlos Hyde did get 1,000 yards last year. I think that he can be productive, but I just he he's not going to be that guy that wins you the league, in my opinion. He's got, he's gonna, he might not win you the league, but I think he, he's got a good opportunity here. As you said, Carlos Hyde is gone, and they traded away DeAndre Hopkins for him. So they are going to feed him. They're going to use him. He doesn't have any competition for carries, really. No team, for whatever reason, has ever given Duke Johnson a chance to do anything, basically. So they're not going to make Duke Johnson their starter. It's going to be David Johnson. Hyde finished with, as you said, 1,070 yards on 245 rushes and six touchdowns last season, which is pretty solid RB2 numbers. Um, but he did only have 10 receptions for 42 yards. And I think that David Johnson is better in the passing game. So I think he's going to get at least that usage. I think he's going to be incorporated more into the passing game. Um, so I think he's going to finish higher than Hyde finished last year, which was the RB19 in PPR leagues. And um, yeah, I think they're going to feed him. I think he could finish as a low-end RB1 this year. Mark my words. So he scorned me last year. So I, this is <laughs> this is tough for me to take. This is, I think this I'm is drafting tough for him. Me to hear. If he's available in the fourth round, I'm drafting him. 100%. Okay. <laughs> All right. I like that we I like that we have this back and forth. This is good. <laughs> this is good. Um this is our Damian Williams, LaShawn McCoy situation last year, <laughs> neither of which well, panned out very well. Well, David Johnson, though, he just he really has struggled with, with injuries. He is made of glass. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Um, the other part of the Texans offseason, Brandon Cooks, um, he'll be fine as long as he doesn't get his 3,000 concussion. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm concerned. There's a world where Houston continues on without Hopkins as if nothing, you know, nothing's changed. Will Fuller, David Johnson, and Brandon Cooks all miraculously stay healthy. But there's also a world where all three of those guys get hurt. Deshaun Watson is just running for his life, and that's their offense. And the Texans and the and the Texans go four and twelve. I mean, yeah. I, I think there's a distinct possibility they go ten and six. But if all the injuries happen, there's a really good chance they're also a terrible team. Yeah. I Houston also traded a, a second round pick for Brandon Cooks, which wow. I, to me is ludicrous. I yeah, I don't know about Brandon Cooks, honestly. I 
he had a rough season last season. I drafted him, I think, as my third or fourth pick on my team last year, and I ended up dropping him. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen to him again. But he is joining a team where 28% of its targets left with DeAndre Hopkins, so that's good news. Um, right. Do I think Cooks is going to get 150 targets? No, I do not. I think Will Fuller is going to get an uptick in targets. But I, I don't know. I think he's going to play a role, but I just don't see him making it through the whole season. We know that when guys start getting concussions like that, that's just kind of their future, unfortunately. I hope. That's mm-hmm. not the case, but I'm really concerned. I probably will try to stay away from him. If I'm going after a receiver in Houston, it's going to be Will Fuller. Same here. Um, I'm going to stay away. For Cooks, it's his fourth team in seven years. Clearly, yeah. that's not a good sign when nobody wants to hang on to you. Um, yeah. But when he's healthy, obviously, he is very productive. Yeah. So wish him the best. Yeah. Sticking with the receivers, Mr. Stefan Diggs. Traded from Minnesota to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, Stefan Diggs, same guy as always. Highly talented, but his fantasy outlook is directly tied to Josh Allen's performance. Oh, gosh. If Allen continues to be erratic downfield, you could be burning a pretty high draft pick on Diggs, even though he will be the number one receiver. Um, however, if Allen does, you know... Get a little better with his tossing the the old pigskin downfield. I could see Diggs being pretty good this season. Uh, and the receiving room in Buffalo is actually really solid with John Brown and Cole Beasley as your slot guy. So yeah. he's got the weapons to uh, continue to produce. And if he does that, then I think Diggs is in for a quality year. Maybe not the same production he had in Minnesota. I, and I think people need to understand that. Yeah, for sure. I do not think that Josh Allen's play is going to get any better. I'm not high on Josh Allen. I don't like that guy. I don't have a good reason for it, but I don't like him. Um, (laughs) I'm not high on him because I don't like him. No. (laughs) I have other reasons, but... I'm I'm uh, high on the Bills, though. I'm high on the Bills. Well, I think the Bills are going to be fine. They got a great defense, but... Circle the like wagons, the- Kyla. Circle <laughs> those damn wagons. I, I think the Bills are in for a good season. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. I do not like this move for Stefan Diggs at all. I He's talented, no doubt, but the Bills offense, not as efficient as the Vikings. They're not as good, but they play a similar style. Um, the pass protection for the Bills ranked 23rd last season, which is going to play a role in receiving, while the Vikings ranked 14. and. Not only that, Josh Allen, as you said, (laughs) it's not great downfield. He's far less accurate than Kirk Cousins. He finished with a 27.5 completion percentage with passes more than 20 yards last season. So you put that on top of the fact that they do still have John Brown and Cole Beasley, as you said. So how many targets are there really? up for grabs not many so i personally think all three of those guys are going to suffer with the addition of digs i'm not i'm going to try to stay away from digs if i can i mean if if it makes sense to take him at some point i might but he's i'm definitely not targeting him 
I'm not targeting him as well, and I think he's going to be drafted a few rounds before he should be drafted. Um, yeah. Obviously, if you're looking at a uh, number two receiver, number three receiver, he's falling in your draft. Definitely worth a flyer mm-hmm. with the amount of talent that he has. And Josh Allen has a big arm. It's just not always an accurate arm. So, you right. know, Diggs could, he could have that game where he catches that 75 yard touchdown and it makes it totally worth it. I uh, saw that. Uh, I saw this thing. I was reading a, a magazine, a Roto World magazine, and whoever was writing the article wrote that the, uh, the deep pass is to Josh Allen as the three point shot is to Russell Westbrook. And I don't watch <laughs> basketball, but it said it's a skill. That would be great to have, but neither of them possess, but they insist on trying it at a <laughs> at a high rate. <laughs> Westbrook likes to jack those shots up there. Uh, I thought you were going to say Ben Simmons, but Ben Simmons <laughs> actually just doesn't shoot threes. Oh, I don't and know And that's that like <laughs> one thing that people really talk about with him. Getting back to the Bills, one thing with them as well, with as good as their defense is going to be, they're going to run the ball a lot more, and they drafted... Mm-hmm. Uh, a rookie RB out of Utah, Zach Moss. And with Singletary, Zach Moss, and TJ Yeldon in the backfield, I think they're really going to focus on a ball control type yeah. game. So hopefully it's not also a situation where Diggs is disgruntled after a while yeah. if he doesn't get a lot of catches. Yeah. So we have to wait and see there. But I am high on the Bills as a team. I just yeah. am not necessarily high on the receiver fantasy outlook. but. Late round flyer for Diggs, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's no risk there at all. I agree with that. Um, next up, we have, this guy is not a friend of this podcast. If you listened last season at all, you know that we are not Philip Rivers fans here, but. You've, yeah, you've been negative on a couple people so far. <laughs> this is going to be the only time I'm negative on anyone. It goes back to when Rivers was with the Chargers as a Broncos fan. He just really rubbed me the wrong way a couple of times. Seems like a fantastic dude. All intent, I mean, family man, whatever. <laughs> However you feel about all that, that's a whole different conversation. He has many, many children. If you don't know how many children he has, Google it. I do it's, not know how many children. <laughs> uh, I believe he has nine. Oh, he's probably a fine guy, but. He seems like a crybaby on the field. Uh, <laughs> oh, he doesn't seem like it. He is. <laughs> he is a crybaby. Um, um, anyway, getting back to it, he went to Indianapolis. And if he's going to succeed, which is a big if, he's going to do it in Indianapolis. He had a down year last season, but he does get an upgrade to one of the best, if not the best, offensive lines in the league. Um, He's lost Keenan Allen, but he gains T.Y. Hilton. I personally am super high on T.Y. Hilton. I think he's a great receiver. Um, But he's familiar with the system. He played for, how do you say that guy's name? Frank Reich? Reich. 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 Um, He played for Frank Reich in 2014 and 15. And in those years, he threw for 9,078 yards, 60 touchdowns, and 31 interceptions. Do I think he will see those numbers this season? Maybe. But is he worth a draft pick? Not to me. (laughs) 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 I feel like it's too unknown, especially with the offseason this year. Again, as we've already mentioned several times, because of COVID, 
Um, I think he'll probably be a good streaming option at, depending on who they're facing. But yeah, I'm I'm not drafting him. Uh, I think he's definitely a good streaming option. He's not someone that I'm looking forward. I, as this is not good advice, but on principle, <laughs> I don't draft Philip Rivers just because of who I am. I'm sure if you play fantasy out there, there may be just people that you don't draft. Yeah, uh, he is one of them for me. But uh, I don't see him having a you know a top ten fantasy upside, but. He, he will be definitely a serviceable quarterback. He did look washed up last year, but as you mentioned, Frank Reich, and then the offensive coordinator for Indy is uh, Nick Sirianni, and he was the quarterback's coach for the Chargers when Reich was the offensive coordinator. Oh. So even even more of a reason to believe in Rivers. He knows a lot of people there. As you mentioned, he's familiar with the offense, has a lot of weapons around him, a good offensive line. If he can succeed anywhere, it is Indy. But he did throw 20 picks and only 20 touch or and only 23 touchdowns last yeah. year. He yeah. arguably the worst season of his career. And he had a lot of weapons with the Chargers, too. Yeah, he did. So, I agree. He could just uh, be washed up. We might get nothing out of Phillip Rivers. So that like I said, it's too unknown for me. I'm not drafting him. And if so, I think the running game for Indy is going to be really good. So yeah, <laughs> they they can lean on that in a solid defense. Yeah. Speaking of the running game. Yeah, and question marks. Todd Gurley. Yes. Todd Todd Gurley went from the Rams to the Falcons, and uh, a few weeks ago he was going in the third round of fantasy drafts. Do you think that's think that's a good place to draft Todd? Ah, uh, well. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's hard to it's hard to know. Nobody really knows like what he's going to be able to do. Last season, I was very low on Todd Gurley. I said he was going to be a bust. He was not a total bust, but he definitely was not the same guy we saw in 2018. Mm -hmm. A lot of things played into that, though. It wasn't just him. He they limited his carries. And the Rams offense overall was just a fucking mess. Like they couldn't do it. <laughs> anything. Jared Goff was awful. The offensive line was awful. He had to do a lot more pass protection because the offensive line was so bad. But he averaged only 14.9 carries per game compared to 18.3 in 2018. So now he's in Atlanta. He has no competition for carries. The offensive line wasn't great last season, but they did return all five of their starters. So they have to be better, right? You play in a group that long and you get better. Um, he does still have the arthritic knee, but he did show flashes last season. I feel like that he still got it. I mean, it's it's only arthritis, right? It's not like he's got – it's just pain. He can play through that, right? <laughs> I think we're used to with NFL players just being like, oh, I'm sure he'll get an injection in his knee and he'll be okay. But with how much it's hindered him, it's got to be – just awful, extremely painful. Um, I'm high on the Falcons. As for his where Todd Gurley is being drafted, I don't think you're going to be able to get him any later. So if yeah. you do think he's going to have a good year, then the third round may be the only chance or or earlier. I personally would not draft him that high. I think there are other bargains you can get around that area. But he could be in for a pretty good year. As you mentioned, he wasn't himself last year. 
not the guy that we saw the year before. Mm-hmm. He he only averaged 57 yards a game on the ground, but he's still obviously very talented. I just I think the Falcons they ended last year on a really good note. They went six and two over the last eight games. When I thought I had the Falcons in the playoffs last year, if if you recall, yeah, then they started one and seven, uh, so that was brutal. Yeah. But and then the Rams is a big of a mess as they were last year. They were still only one game away from being in the playoffs. If they have Which the is- seven game, if they if they have the seven team playoff format that they're going to have now going forward, they would have been a playoff team. Yeah, which is crazy which to think because they were awful. They were so bad. It doesn't speak much for the format, does it? Yeah, because <laughs> that team really didn't need to be in the postseason. But yeah. uh, Gurley. As as we mentioned, I think definitely worth a draft pick, but you may have to reach in order to get him. Yeah, I like him this year. He might be the comeback player of the year. So I think I'm making a lot of bold predictions here, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that depending on who else was available in the third round, if it comes my turn, Todd Gurley is still there. I might take him. Hey, you know what? It's your podcast. Be bold. <laughs> Make your proclamations, you know, and, and stick with them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> another RB, Melvin Gordon, going oh, from yes. the Chargers to the Broncos. I thought I expected the Chargers to release him. I was kind of surprised when he went to Denver, though. Were you surprised? I was very surprised. <laughs> I <laughs> was extremely surprised because Philip Lindsay has gotten over a thousand yards on the ground um in each of the last two seasons his first two seasons i feel like that's serious competition for melvin gordon especially with the amount of money they're paying melvin gordon it seems like they have two guys that kind of had the same skill set gordon maybe will be used more as a receiving threat in the timeshare but it most definitely will be a timeshare yeah for sure uh, Gordon I, has at least 40 receptions in each of the last four seasons. I don't think they've really released right now how exactly they're going to use them. It does seem like Gordon will maybe be, at the very least, the third down guy, probably used a lot more than that. I, It's tough to say which one has more upside. I I expect that Gordon is which it's hard to know because like you said the reporters aren't at training camp and stuff so we're not getting like they can keep this shit to themselves until the season starts right so i think this is a great move for denver in real life they've upgraded their committee basically from philip Lindsay and royce freeman to philip Lindsay and melvin gordon which i think is an upgrade right. um we know they like to use that committee approach so our either is either back in a b an rb1 i don't know i think they both could be an rb2 though um I think, and from what I can tell, a lot of people are expecting Philip Lindsay to slide into the 1B role that Royce Freeman was playing last year and that Melvin Gordon is going to kind of be the 1A guy just based on how much they're paying him and stuff, which is really unfortunate for Philip Lindsay because he's played really well since he's been there. And I feel like he's the most overlooked running back that there is. Like, he's really good. But he never right. gets any credit for being good. He's been fantastic since he's he's been in the NFL these last two seasons. 
Um, and the Denver Post, they have been covering it. So I guess we should make sure that we clarify they they are at training camp and that sort of thing now, mm -hmm. but it's just not the same amount of access. Yeah. I just, I'm wary that in fantasy overall, we're just not going to have the same amount of information that we normally have just because of just the lack of, just a little bit of the lack of reporting, but a little of the lack of being able to see preseason games and all that too. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and teams might play some things close to the vest. We'll see. We'll see with Gordon. As you said, I think that's the main thing to take out of this is that both guys, I think, could easily be RB2s. Mm -hmm. Maybe at the same, you know, at the same time. Yeah. No, like you I... don't want to have them both on your team, probably. But like, you know, if Gordon is on one team and then someone else in your league has Lindsay, I think there may be a chance for both of them to be solid flex guys or solid RB2 guys and play at the same time because they're both going to get touches. We just can't really tell right now which one's going to get more. I was going to say, which one do you, would you draft first? That's really, t uh, Melvin Gordon to me has had good seasons, but there are just many times where he's overrated. Yeah. He's overrated. And Philip Lindsay's really, underrated. Yeah, but Lindsay's going to get some of those rushing yards taken away from him as yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, ideally, I'm going to target a guy who do, is not in a timeshare, you know? Yeah. But 100%, who would I draft yeah. first if you're going to put me on the spot? Um, I would have to go with Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I would too. Let's see. This is our last one. I think we're going to go over Austin Hooper to Cleveland. They made him the highest paid tight end, I think, didn't they? They did very briefly because George Kittle and oh, Travis right. Kelsey have signed those new contracts, but he was very briefly the most or the, the highest paid tight end, I believe, yeah. I think that, I mean, obviously George Kittle and Travis Kelsey should make more money because they are, I don't even know what the word is, but they're ridiculous. <laughs> Transformative. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think um, Austin Hooper, 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 not Hooper, Hooper. Hooper. <laughs> is a huge upgrade uh, for the Browns, but... Same thing with Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. Baker Mayfield is a huge downgrade for Austin Hooper from Matt Ryan. Baker Mayfield finished with 59.4 completion percentage last season, while Matt Ryan finished with 66.2. And if those numbers don't mean anything to you, Baker Mayfield finished 31st in completion percentage between Andy Dalton and Josh Allen. Josh Allen was actually 32. And Matt Ryan finished at number seven. So there's a huge, a huge drop off to mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield. Also, Matt Ryan attempted to throw the ball 616 times compared to Baker Mayfield's 534. Hooper is now going to have OBJ and Jarvis Landry to compete with. And I know you're going to say, I know you're going to say it. He had Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley last season. He did. <laughs> But one, Matt Ryan threw the ball way more. And I guess I should say that Austin Hooper is now going to have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to split touches with. Um, they accounted for 90-ish receptions last season between the two of them, and Kareem Hunt only played in eight games. So I think the volume is going to go down quite a bit. I think he's still going to be a viable fantasy option, especially because the tight end pool is so shallow. Um, but I do think he's going to see a reduction in volume. 
I would not expect the same level of production, but he is a specimen, so he could finish as a top 10 tight end. That doesn't take a whole lot, but he does have touchdown upside, I think. so. Yeah, I think he has touchdown upside for sure. He is inside of my top 10 tight ends, but just barely. Yeah. Uh, one positive for him, new coach, is Kevin Stefanski. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, during Stefanski's time with the Vikings, was a huge threat in the red zone. So, like you said, a lot of touchdown upside. I think that Hooper could be a huge red zone target, especially if defenses are going to try and cover Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry in those areas. I think Hooper can get open. I think he could be in for a nice season. As you mentioned, his volume definitely will go down. Eras, or the, the Falcons also... Matt Ryan had all those pass attempts, not only because of the talent he had at the receiver and tight end position, but also because the running game was so poor. Yeah. And they had to pass. And in Cleveland, Nick Chubb is, I mean, in my opinion, their best offensive player. Yeah. I mean, Beckham is, if someone can is get he? him the ball. If <laughs> I mean, in wide open space, obviously he's dynamic. But Chubb, to me, is the most important player there. So Hooper's yeah. volume will, will go down. I would look at Hunter Henry before I look at Hooper. Mm-hmm. Um, frankly, I'm going to look at Noah Fant <laughs> before I look at, at, at Hooper. I think Noah Fant is going to have an amazing year. Yeah. But uh, Hooper's inside my top 10. Definitely somebody that could be a, a tight end one, obviously, if he's in the top 10. But... Uh, he will not see the same numbers. No, he won't. I am going to try. I'm going to try to do better drafting my tight ends this season. So I don't have a tight end problem like we both did last year. But I am going to try not to draft Austin Hooper just because of the uncertainty. So some other guys worth mentioning here, uh, free agency wise, Jordan Howard and Matt Breida to the Dolphins. Then you have Eric Ebron to the Steelers. Jason Witten. Your guy, Jason Witten. My man, I'm so sad. I love Jason Witten. And Marcus Mariota to the Raiders and Emmanuel Sanders to the Saints. Anybody you want to highlight here? No, I think if if anybody wants to know more about our thoughts, they can head over to our Instagram at BTBW Podcast and ask us there in the comments and we will answer. But I don't think it's worth going into right now. That is a stellar recommendation, Kyla. I love it. <laughs> I do think, though, if you want to talk about, if anybody wants to talk on Instagram about Sanders, I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to have a good season. All right. Anyone else you would like to talk about in terms of do not draft? Now, I mentioned Philip Rivers that I would not draft him, really out of spite. Uh, (laughs) Is there anyone else that you're kind of looking at that you're thinking, I'm not going to draft? Or I I guess people that you had last year that you would not draft again. I guess that's what we're, we're talking about here. Oh, well, there is. Yes, there is. <laughs> I am not going to draft Aaron Jones again this year. I can tell you that. But I'm going to go into more detail on a later episode of why I'm not going to draft him. I will never, ever in my life draft Aaron <laughs> Jones ever again. Ever. What about my, you? My guy is Odell Beckham. Oh, I yeah. had him last year and he was really, really frustrating. Uh, I'm I'm just really not going to draft him again. I don't know, though, because uh, he was hurt all season last season. So I might give Odell Beckham a whirl this year, depending on where I could get him. 
Yeah, I had him in the second <laughs> round, though. I drafted yeah, him in no. the second round. I would not draft um, him that high. I don't think anybody will draft him that high this year. Fantasy-wise, one more thing to keep in mind is that there were some people that opted out. Not a lot of big names fantasy-wise, though, opted out. A lot of big names defensively. Uh, Damien Williams, our guy Damien Williams, just wanted to give him a quick shout-out. Elias' best friend. <laughs> uh, man, he was... I was really expecting big things from Damian Williams last year. And he, hey, Super Bowl. He was a Super Bowl. He should have been Super Bowl MVP. He was not yeah. the year to Mahomes. But uh, he opted out. So Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who we will talk about in depth in a later episode, he's the man now in NKC. Yeah. Really the team that is most impacted by all the opt-outs, it, it seems to be New England. Yeah. Their defense lost like seven or eight guys or something like that. But the way the Belichick is, he... He'll just go out and sign a ham sandwich to play linebacker. <laughs> and that that linebacker is going to become an all-pro. So I wouldn't really worry about it too much if you're a, a Patriots fan. Yeah, they're going to be fine. So so well. just, just for fun, just for fun, oh. one more thing here. We have, I looked up some fantasy team names. <laughs> all right, so every every year people are looking for that new way to make all of your uh league mates laugh and here are a few that i found so based on current events the first one i found is quarantine oh that's a good one so i thought that was pretty funny I like make that. america gronk again <laughs> oh, God. then you have trumpster fire <laughs> which i thought was pretty funny now yeah. if you draft Rookie Henry Ruggs on the Raiders. You can be Bone Ruggs in Harmony. <laughs> <laughs> Which I really enjoyed. Obviously, Jerry Judy is going to be huge here in the fantasy name world. Judge Judy. Uh, as a as a Cowboys fan, as you are, uh, uh -huh. a couple Dak here. You got Baby Got Dak. Oh, I like that. And then the Dak Street Boys. <laughs> I like that one too. This one was really popular last season, but if you have Alvin Kamara, you can go with Kamara Chameleon. Oh. Karma, 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 chameleon. <laughs> oh, yeah. I get it. I'm slow. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I may have to sing it for you. Uh, Fournette, actually. Leonard Fournette has a ton of fantasy names out there for him. L Little Red Fournette. <laughs> Little red Fournette. Uh, there's also a lot with Kittle. So you can be Kittle Corn. You oh. can be Peanut Kittle. Kittle Litter. Kittle Litter. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lamar Lamarrier. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> yeah. That's I could be Lamar Lamarrier if I'm lucky enough to get Lamar Jackson again, which we will talk about next week. Maybe I can change my team name to. Lamar, Lamar. Um, <laughs> so that's about it. Catalina wine mixing, I thought was really funny. Oh, Eight yeah. There's joke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's also OBJYN. <laughs> so take take that one with you if you'd like. But uh, yeah, I was wanted to, you know, we talked a little bit about the pandemic. We had, a, you know, some heavy things to talk about, I guess. So thought we'd throw a laugh at you there at the end. I like the uh, OBJY in that one. I might draft uh, Odell Beckham just so I can call my team that. Your prerogative. <laughs>
Okay. I guess that's going to do it for our first episode of 2020. If we did not talk about or cover someone that you want to know our thoughts on, like I said, you can head over to our Instagram at BTBW podcast and ask us there. That is where once the season gets going, you'll find updates, you'll find our top weekly waiver wire ads, and where you'll be able to ask us your start sick questions. Um, So follow us there. Also subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. So thanks for listening. Hope you had fun and we will see you next week. Bye.